Frenzy. Hey, hit me so hard down there. The Football Frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Willie's here, Willie Ramirez, host of the party at Twin Peaks every Monday night. Party goes down from 5 until 7, and tonight it's going to be extended because we've got two Monday night football games. 4-15, first game kicks off Titans and Bills, and then we got Vikings and Eagles. And can I just say, last week was the first time, like it's always a nice party in here. Last week, dude, every chair was filled, patio, Front, back, bar, it was fantastic. It was electric. We were giving tickets away. We are having a party. Get down here. Willie's got uh, Twin Peaks gift cards. He's also got UNLV football tickets for the game next next Friday, two Fridays from now. That's UNLV against New Mexico, an 8 o'clock start on a Friday night. Giveaways include 7-0 Brew Oktoberfest, also San Gennaro Feast passes, and some grand prizes Tickets to the Shriners Open, PGA in town in early October. And the residency for Aerosmith. Deuces are wild over at Park MGM. All that stuff is up for grabs here with Willie hosting the party at Twin Peaks. If we didn't have a jam-packed Monday football-packed show, one day I'll fill you in, but I could tell you some fantastic old-school San Gennaro stories dating back to the late 80s. Okay. We'll save that for <laughs> later in the week. So it's funny, we just talked to former Cardinals receiver Frank Sanders, who was on with us, already doing a good job of scooping up all the former players. We appreciate that. And we just mentioned Harson and Herm Edwards. Right. Scott Frost has already been fired. Mm-hmm. Herm was fired yesterday from Arizona State. Harson could be on the way out soon. Now, in the case of both Herm and Harson, they're in – or they were in, sort of lame duck situations because Herm still has all that stuff from the COVID year hanging over his head where they had to blow out five coaches yep. because there just wasn't enough institutional control. And then you lose over the weekend to Eastern Michigan at home in Tempe. Harson, the results haven't been great, plus the nonsense, whatever he was doing, if he was doing it or not, extramarital stuff, I don't know. And it's amazing in football how things change so quickly like what have you done for me lately it's funny coward yesterday tweeted something out to the effect of at three o'clock there are a bunch of people who are like kingsbury's a moron he's got to go why the hell did they sign him to an extension through 2027 and then an hour and a half later josh mcdaniels is in over his head can't get it done changes that quickly it's crazy expect expectations for football are so much higher than just about every other sport and there's so many more people watching so when things go badly the noise is incredibly loud. Do you think I, I? I am 100% convinced that they were waiting for the right opportunity to dump Herm because of the investigation. If that wasn't hanging over his head, lost to EMU at home, he's not getting fired. I don't care what you tell me, Mac team. Okay, you know what? I've seen plenty of bowl games where. MAC teams, Mountain West teams. What was it, last year or the year before where the Mountain West won the whole, like the, the best record in the bowls? They, I mean, they were waiting for – I think Harson's – Brian Harson's uh, ouster was – or if well, he, if he if he's he, not gone yet. He's not gone yet. If no. his ousting, if right. it happens, would be more deserving, like where he's at, the expectations. Uh, 
Herm Edwards, I think that was just it was an opportunity for administration to say this is our shot. Yeah, Herm to this point had won seven, six. Who cares about the COVID years? Two and two, uh, eight wins last year. Made three bowl games in four full seasons. Won one, lost last year here at the Las Vegas Bowl. Uh, but the lack of institutional control, because you know they, they pitched this whole, hey, he's going to be the CEO. Right. Well, a lot of stuff was going on during that COVID year that apparently he didn't know was going on. or well, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. But I'll mention Harson for one more second here. Um, if the side doinkage was going on with him, uh, I'm not hiring him anywhere else anytime soon. And that, that is not, like, I don't need that guy coming in and trying to clean up Arizona State. Um, I'll, t- I'll take a pass. There's plenty of other candidates who, who no one's squeaky clean. Right. And I'm not saying, co- you know, there aren't other coaches. It could be lo- coaches on whatever list they put together who have done, you know, gumad stuff. Um, but right, but the it, timing it, of it, no thank you. Okay, so are you, are, you, are you being critical and ridiculing because of the exact what you just said, because of the gumad and, and cheating and whatever, or is it the character? Because if it's a character, well, then you got to take him off the list, you got to take Scott Frost off the list, and you have to take Urban Meyer off the list. Yeah, they're, they're all off my list. Okay. I mean, Meyer, I don't even know why Meyer I'm not would, saying you, but yeah. in general. I mean, if Nebraska is desperate enough to bring in a horse's ass like Urban Meyer, right. go ahead and do it. They probably are, or it probably is. Yeah. But I, I don't know. My impression of Harson was football guy. When I got to talk to him face-to-face, it was football guy, you know, discipline guy. Football's everything. Yeah. You, you can't be football guy. And then have that stuff going on, and have it the, not even not even have the stuff going on. Have it. I mean, I'm realistic. Have it come out where the lady you might be involved with is some you know social media star who's posting stuff all over the place. Not giving instructions on it cheap, but give me a freaking break. Hmm. Tom Brady yesterday. What was going on? Another tablet breaking moment. Yeah, he wasn't happy. He was yelling at teammates. He was throwing his helmet. Tossed his helmet aside, threw a threw an iPad, tablet, whatever it was. Uh, it wasn't good. And then, and he says, "Great win to get to two and zero in a video." Uh, highs and lows of Tom Brady within one game, man. I mean, do you care about the tablet breaking? Do you, do you care about the throwing of stuff on the sidelines? Not really. It just shows emotion. I mean, what is he supposed to do? I mean, it, it doesn't show that he's a violent person. I mean, are, are we – the difference is, is that it's an 18-week season, right, 17 games for each team. It's, it's, it's Tom Brady. But, I mean, how many cameras don't catch the pitcher that gets pulled out after a rocky start? We see them throw the glove, throw the cooler, bang up the lot, whatever it may be. I mean – Athletes get mad. They that that just goes to show how much they expect of themselves. It just goes to show their compassion. I mean, I, I'm not really. I mean, they're not. He's not throwing it at at uh, at teammates. He's just he's mad. He's frustrated. It shows compassion, and it happens. See Mike Evans just freaking. You ever jack- seen Adam Hill throw headphones during a, a game when he's in fantasy goes crazy? Dude, his temper goes crazy. That's a good point. I've never seen him do it during a show, but. I guess he's more passionate, of course, about his fantasy than the show. Uh, just kidding. Uh, Mike Evans, NFL's looking at suspending him, really? I mean, that was a dust-up where he came in, you know, third or fourth and just decked Marshawn Lattimore. But by decked, I mean he just knocked him to the ground. It wasn't a punch. He shouldn't be suspended. And Evans even you know, talked about the fact that he was suspended a couple of years ago, again, for action on Lattimore. And he's like, come on, man. This was not as – I admitted that was immature. 
Uh, this was not as vicious as that one was, so I hope they don't suspend they did. Mike one, Evans for that one. Well, they suspend him for one game, right? You're talking is about is it already done? Yeah. Oh, I didn't say it. Yeah, he's suspended for a one game for one. He Mike Evans one game for hit on Marshawn Lattimore. I didn't even say it. It's I saw I, I, uh, I saw it as of like eleven a this morning. Is that right? Yeah. Ah, oh, come on. Now I don't. I think that they had to follow through because isn't it? Isn't it like he was ejected? And if he was ejected for it, so they have to follow through with protocol. But I mean. You got to start handing out other punishments. With with, I mean, it was a, there was an all-out brawl between the teams. And he, you're right. He didn't punch him. He just walked up. He kind of blocked him. Biggest surprises of week two in the NFL: the Lions' offense and the Dolphins' offense. We got two Monday Night Football games on the way. We're going to talk to uh, Warren Moon, all-time great NFL quarterback, CFL quarterback, in just a few, and diagnose the offensive explosions and the Monday Night Football doubleheader. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. I think the message is wins are wins, losses are losses, and no one's going to feel bad for you no matter how the cookie crumbles. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's going to be our message going into the week. And if we come in tomorrow feeling sorry for ourselves, well on us. You're listening to Cofield and Company live at Twin Peaks. Foster Morrow, tight end for the Raiders. Right? Next week is up. you got to move on. But it still stings, and the fans are very annoyed. We had so much football to get into. The offensive explosions around the NFL yesterday from surprising teams. We'll hit on that. Monday Night Football. But we want to get Warren Moon's take on what he saw from Kyler Murray and the Raiders collapse. Warren Moon is up with Steve and Willie here in Vegas. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing today? Uh, stings a little bit. We're not you know, necessarily Raiders fans, but you know you want to see the hometown team do well, and that that was a gut punch yesterday. It was. It was. Um, it was one of those games where you thought you had it under control, and I've been there before, and uh, you just kind of let it get away. The momentum shifted, and they just couldn't get it back. And they, all they had to do was maybe make one or two plays on offense to keep control of the football, but they kept giving it right back to uh, Arizona, and their defense was gassed by the end of the game trying to chase that little guy around. So. That was a big part of it. Their offense wasn't able to to uh, close the game out, and then they put their defense in a very difficult situation. What should the Raiders be doing, or did they do the right thing by you know rushing three and then have you know the uh, the middle of the field and you know downfield defensively kind of crowded? Do you have to rush more? What do you because you know, like you pick your poison almost with Kyler Murray? Yeah, I think with him, you you have to put a little bit more pressure on him and force him to throw the ball before he wants to, so he can't run around like that. And I would have had some more athletic guys on the outside that were that were uh, coming in after him on the pass rush that could actually uh, you know track him down and keep him keep him within their sights so they could tackle him. But they had a bunch of big guys in there who there's no way on their feet could could keep up with him. So. Um, I think they only rushed two guys, too, at the end, which, which that didn't make a lot of sense. You let a quarterback sit back there long enough, he's going to fi- eventually find somebody open or, like like Kyler did, he ran it in. So you got to put a little bit more pressure on the quarterback and make him have to do things before he wants to or, uh, or don't let him be comfortable back there in that situation. Speaking of all-time great, Warren Moon, and uh, you said that you – you you have felt that pain. Obviously, the for those that don't know, or remember you were you were on the the wrong side of the largest comeback victory when the Bills did that. When you're sitting and watching something like yesterday, does it sort 
does it become reminiscent? Does, does that wear off, or is that something where, or do you put yourself in the game and saying, oh, it should have called this play, or should have, when it comes from the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, you always uh, revert back to, to situations that you were in whenever you're watching a game. It doesn't matter what the situation is. If I can relate to that situation, um, I always do that. I, I watch games totally different than a normal fan would because I've actually played the game. So I'm sure most most former players can uh, can relate to what I'm talking about. But um, yeah, you always put yourself there and what what you would do and what you wouldn't do in those situations. And that's why I can talk about it uh, right now is because I've been in those situations before and uh, let a game get away from us that that uh, we probably should have won. And and it wasn't just a regular season game; it was a playoff game, so that ends your season. Warren, I got to ask you. You know, we always hear the, the you know the stories of the, the comparisons of today's athlete, whether it's the NBA or the NFL, to yesteryear and, and well different eras but you were the type of quarterback I mean and you were a star in the CFL and the NFL the athleticism is there a party that wishes that you could play in today's era and, and with these quarterbacks and if I can ask like what who who do you sort of admire and watch and say wow that you know this guy who are you impressed most by with today's quarterback well I would have loved to be able to play today's game during our time uh that's that would be the you know the, the great thing. I can't go back in time as far as my age and all those different things, but I would have loved to have played with the same rules that they play with right now, especially how they're protecting uh, you know all the players. They're protecting guys from big hits over across the middle for wide receivers. They're protecting quarterbacks. You basically can't hit them anywhere. If if you do, you're going to get a flag thrown. So, and I love the way the game is wide open. And and we we tried to do some of that with the run and shoot, and people thought we were a gimmick, but. Everything we were doing back then, they're doing now. So uh, I would have loved to have played more with that type of style and, and these type of rules. But uh, I love watching, you know, Patrick Mahomes, of course. Uh, he, he's a guy that uh, has come into this league and set it on fire in a very very early stage. Uh, you know, Josh Allen is another guy that's kind of similar to him. He's off to a great start. And you're going to see him play again tonight. Uh, you know, Joe Burrow, what he was able to do and turn around Cincinnati and take them to a Super Bowl in his second year. And then what Lamar Jackson is doing, I mean, he keeps putting himself in harm's way as far as getting injured, but he doesn't. He just keeps playing and playing and playing and making big plays. So there's a lot more other quarterbacks that, that I love watching, but those are, those are four you know, right off the bat. But the, the, the league is in really, really good shape right now quarterback-wise, and it has to be. If, you, if you're going to win in this game today, you've got to have a good quarterback, and there's a lot of good ones in the league right now. You know, there's a real interesting debate after what we saw from Tua yesterday with Waddle and Tyreek Hill, you know, a lot of yeah. catch and run. What do you think of Tua as a quarterback, a throwing quarterback? Well, I loved Tua when he came out of Hawaii. I watched him play a little bit in high school. Uh, of course, I saw what he did in Alabama. And, you know, he had a, a, a pretty serious injury coming out, of, uh, coming out of college with that hip. And it, it takes a while for something like that for you to, you to really come back strong from it. And last year I thought he did a decent job. And then this year they just added more um, more talent around him. And I think every quarterback has to have good talent around him. It's going to make his level of play uh, you know, rise to the occasion. And you're starting to see Tua off to a great start in his first two games here because of the talent that they've put around him. Uh, if, if they put the talent around him and he wasn't producing, then you could say probably he's not a very good quarterback. But he's taking his game up to another level because he's got better players to work with. Warren Moon with us here on Cofield and Company. You know, interesting thing we were just mentioning off the air. Do you do you feel a connection to the Titans? You know, being the the former you know Oilers. Do you feel a connection? 
Yeah, I really do. And uh, you yeah, know, we're okay. having a reunion here in about three weeks. I'm um, going back for that. We had a, we had it last year, and we had about 90 guys come back, and it was a, it was wow. great to see a bunch of my old teammates. And this year they're going to combine it with the Oilers and with the Titans, so I'll get a chance to see some of those guys as well. But, yeah, I do identify with them. You know, all my records are there as far as my Houston Oilers records are, are with the Titans, and uh, they have me back there for, for from time to time for different uh, occasions. So, yeah, I, I, def- I definitely um, identify with them very strongly. What do you think about what the Titans did with their wide receiver decision? There were a couple of teams that moved on, you know, the $20 million contract for the receivers. There were others that embraced it. So what do you think of the Titans moving on A.J. Brown? Yeah, I didn't like that move. I, you know, A.J. Brown is one of those young, uh, just – ascending receivers in this league you know he's already off to a great start and you and you got to keep guys like that especially in today's game the way it's being uh the way the, the rules are and the way the game is opened up to the passing game you can't get rid of um really class receivers like that they're hard to replace and, and i think they you know they drafted a, a nice kid out of uh, arkansas but it's going to take him a little while to get up to speed so you know, I, I think it was really glaring last week. You missed a guy like uh, A.J. Brown in, the, in their loss last week, and you'd love to have a guy like him, and you probably need a guy like him tonight. I'm taking the Titans plus 10 against the Bills. I think they'll compete. Uh, I think this Bills team is really good, but I, I don't believe Buffalo is going to blow Tennessee off the field. Well, last year, you know, Derrick Henry went crazy against Buffalo, and they beat him. So that's what's going to be the uh, the recipe, I would think, tonight. you got to get Derrick Henry going. you got to get him pounding against their defense and, uh, and, and eating, eating up some clock and keeping Josh Allen on the sideline. I think that's the only way you can beat this team, and, it, and Derrick Henry is the guy to get them going. Warren, got to ask you, so, you know, you mentioned Pat Mahomes, but going into this season, the AFC West – and he said this was like one of the best all-time division, you know, foursome of quarterbacks. Your thoughts on the AFC West? And, uh, you know, it's only a small sample size. We're only two games in here to the season. But just your thoughts of, of the teams, the quarterbacks, how it breaks down. Yeah, it's a brutal division as far as the the, uh, the talent that's in that division, the rosters, and then the quarterbacks. And, and the quarterbacks are what, are what makes every division. If you have strong quarterback play at every uh, at every team, you're going to have a very, very balanced, very tough division. And the AFC West has that. And uh, uh, it's going to be a dogfight for whoever gets out of, out of that division to the playoffs. They might put two teams in the playoffs. We don't know. But a lot of times these teams beat each other up so much throughout the year they don't have much left when they get to the playoffs. So we'll see what happens. But uh, Kansas City right now is in a, a good position. They're 2-0, and and I think everybody else in the division has a loss. So uh, they're going to be the team to chase again, and they've won four straight uh, AFC West championships, so they're going for number five. Warren Moon with us here on Cofield and Company. Uh, you're also a former Viking, so your feelings early on here about the uh, Vikes' chances to have a real good season with a you know an offensive guru at head coach maybe elevating Kirk Cousins to a different level. Yeah, I think that's what helps the Vikings is is Kirk is is now have a, has a coach that's uh, on the offensive side of the ball, offensive minded, and you'll get the most out of him. You know, he's got some great weapons to work with. You know, Justin Jefferson is off to a great start. Uh, people forget about Thielen on the other side, and then you've got Dalvin Cook in the backfield. So. He's got uh, everything you need to, uh, to, to be more explosive this year and put more put more pressure on defenses. But I think the key this year is is their defense. They've got to play better defense, and they are off to a good start doing that. Uh, if they can continue to keep putting pressure on quarterbacks like they did in that first game and and uh, and give the ball back to Kirk in in short fields, uh, Minnesota is going to be a tough team to beat this year. 
It's a little far out, Lauren, but I was wondering, are you guys starting to set up for another Pro Bowl event? I know you did a really nice uh, event last year for the United Way. Yeah, uh, we're, we're, we're talking about that right now and, and in the planning processes, but we want to do something like that and make it a little bit bigger and a little bit better, and uh, we'll definitely get with you and let you know what we're doing so we can get some exposure uh, you know, from your station. And Everybody seemed to have a lot of fun last year. We raised a lot of good money for the United Way. We had a bunch of the kids uh, came to the dinner that night, and they got a chance to be exposed to, to that type of environment, so it was a great night. Warren, before we... Uh... Before we let you get out of here, you're also a former Edmonton Eskimo, five-time Great Cup champion. I've been following CFL this year. Winnipeg going to win it again? The the, uh, the West looks stacked. The West is stacked this year. You know, BC Lions are very good, too. And yeah. my, Edmonton, my Edmonton Elks, as they're called now, I can't call them Eskimos anymore. Uh, they've had a tough year. And uh, they're going to have to just regroup and, um, you know, get ready for next year. But... Yeah, probably Winnipeg would be the favorite right now, but uh, you never know when you get in those playoffs and the weather gets cold. Uh, you, you just never know what's going to happen and how the ball is going to bounce. But, you know, I watch the Canadian Football League as well, you know, from time to time and definitely when it gets into the playoffs. Warren, thank you so much. We always appreciate your time. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Talk to you down the road. There he is, Warren Moon. Good guy to talk about yeah, when it comes to quarterbacks. And we mentioned guys of all shapes and sizes. You know, Kyler Murray. Little guy, like a little Fran Tarkenton. Josh Allen, initially, I compared him to Vince Young. I'm not sure what the current comparison is because he's better than Vince Young and he's a more accomplished overall quarterback, obviously. His completion percentage going from, you know, 50-something percent, 51% to now in the mid-60s. He's made a, a pretty amazing conversion. Coming up in about 20 minutes. Paul Gutierrez will join us for a little while. He's the uh, ESPN Raiders insider. We'll talk a little UNLV football first around uh, 40 of this hour and then get into all of the Raiders stories and how that franchise is feeling right now and what it's like over in Henderson at the facility. Join Cofield and Company on Thursdays for the live 2 to 5 show at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. During all NFL games this season, get 77 cent beers. It's Thursday night football at Silver 7's Flamingo in Paradise. Five seconds to go. Fourth and goal from the three. Raiders 23. Cardinals 15. Kyler Murray's going to keep this ball, Jason. Snap. Backs up. Still backing up. Now takes up off the middle. Points the football. Touchdown, Arizona, with no time on the clock. I told you he's going to keep that ball. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at Twin Peaks. Big Link was right. I don't think he wanted to be right on the result. Devastating day for Raiders fans. 0-2 starts of the season for the Raiders. It sucks. Talk to Paul Gutierrez, Raiders insider from ESPN.com in just a couple of minutes. What are we pointing at? What's going on here? I'm pointing Paul to bring the chair over to this oh, okay. side. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I'm just telling him to bring the chair yes. over here. You could do that off the air. Yeah. It always works that way. Yeah. It's better to, to get, paint the picture of what's going on at Twin Peaks. All right. Chaos. Bedlam. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you think of the Dolphins yesterday, before we get back to the Raiders here in about five minutes? I I was stunned at that one just because, you know, I'm a Lamar Jackson guy. So it was, it was uh, I, I think it's more about what do we think about Tua? I mean, pretty impressive, right? Over at Leeds, a 21.4th quarter comeback. Well, I heard some people today 
Uh, the New York guys who do the lead-in show to us on national were sort of giving to a credit, and they're like, well, I'm going to always do this pitching and catching five yards. Yeah, that's the way they built the offense. And, by the way, not every quarterback can do that well. Okay. He recorded career highs in passing yards, touchdown passes. He managed the game. Yeah, but you, under, the- you understand what people say. They're yes. like, hey, if, if, you know, 240 of the 300 yards are yak, they want to grade him differently. But that there is a skill set that gets – not every quarterback can do that. Right. You should be able to in the NFL, but not every quarterback can do that. They're trolling. Well, I think there's a lot of people who have said Tua sucks, and now they're not willing to backtrack on it and say, you know what, maybe I was wrong. And it, it is early. like this. Kind of like one of the company with Josh Allen. Yeah, that's why we don't talk about the Bills when Mr. Hill is on. Right. He's not going to back off that stance. But he's not here to – Defend himself. So no, but no reason to but, take but, shots no, at him. No, I'm not taking a shot at him because he'll admit that. Yeah. He, as a matter of fact, I will say this. I'll give him credit. Last week, he he's or do we, he talked about it after the Thursday night game. He said he's playing well right now. Right. He's giving him credit. But it was last year, the year before, where it was like, <laughs> it was like a total violation because uh, I wasn't on that day. So somehow you got that. You slipped it in there. So he handled it okay. It was all right. He's we banned Bill's talk from the show, which is sort of ridiculous for days that he's on because they're arguably the best team in the AFC and a top three favorite to win the Super Bowl. So we kind of have to talk about it for once in a while without going, Josh Allen still sucks. So not the Raiders. This is why he sucks. Lions offense yesterday. All right, that's back-to-back weeks. They lost in week one. They destroyed the commanders. Let them get back into the game. So, you know, Lions drama always exists. But Ben Johnson is their offensive coordinator, and people are freaking raving about him, I saw some film breakdown today from Baldy, and Baldy loves when offensive line, when the offensive lines are you know achieving, and he was showing all these different blocking schemes and you know pulling guards and tackles, and they have a chance to maybe approach seven or eight wins, and I didn't think that. Now that said, I think the Commanders might blow, but so far Swift has looked good, and their offensive line is really good, and. Jared Goff is making passes. Well, and he's got, you know how I like to bring up old stuff that I sort of recognize years before, so let me separate my shoulder and pat myself on the back. You do it often, so pop that shoulder back in when you're done. But when when the 7-on-7 came out here years ago in his junior year, I said this Amon Ross St. Brown kid is special for Modern Day. And then that following yeah. September drove down there, covered the game in which Modern Day ended Gorman's three-year undefeated streak. But nine receptions, 184 scrimmage yards, 116 receiving, 68 rushing, two touchdown catches. That's a special guy for Goff. He's, he, that's a receiver. Goff knows what he's doing, but that's a receiver who's going to make an average quarterback look good. Appetizers, select appetizers, two, four, and six bucks here. During Monday Night Football at Twin Peaks. Actually, it's already started. 2 o'clock is when they go live with their happy hour. So you'll have that during the games tonight. $4 shots. That's every day. Yeah. And also the uh, the big brewski domestic drafts. Just three seventy-five. Twin Peaks on Eastern for Monday Night Football. Come down. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. First and goal from the one. Shotgun. Here's the snap to give to Robbins. Robbins surges into the end zone for a Rebel touchdown. And the Rebels now take a 43-27 lead with the extra point coming up 12-42 to go fourth quarter. You're listening to Cofield and Company live at Twin Peaks. 
Aiden Robbins has become a big star early on in the season for the Rebels. Paul Gutierrez is here. We'll get into a lot of Raiders talk in the 4 o'clock hour. Willie Cofield here is Twin Peaks. So what's going on? What's happening, guys? Thanks for having me down here. A whole lot. A whole lot. I I didn't (laughs) didn't expect uh, this week to be talking about 0-2 Raiders and and 2-1 Rebels. It's been a little crazy. Hey, well, it's like uh, I don't know if you guys are fans of uh, Stranger Things, but it's like we're in the upside down, right? I mean, right. it's uh, it's real interesting the way things are going for for both football teams that share the same stadium, uh, have very little in common other than their war cries kind of sound the same, the, the sing song Raiders and Rebels, yeah. but but yeah, it, it's it's an interesting time and, and being a UNLV alum, seeing football be relevant uh, this early in the season is something new and something welcome, I think. You know, and it's it's funny because. Out of the three big sporting events, I, I'm, I'm going to throw this out here in that, in being careful how I word this, but when you, the phrase, what's the biggest storyline of the weekend, there's an argument that could be made that UNLV football, some could say it's UNLV football over the Aces winning a championship and the Raiders being 0-2. It's a very legitimate statement in that, hey, they're two and one, and staring down the barrel of a not so strong Mountain West Conference, they could get to the bowl. As an alum who was there when they went to, they won the Big West yeah. by beating uh, the school up north. Um, yeah. It was interesting that um, you know they can get to those six wins to get into a bowl. I mean, it was a long time. I'm dating myself here, obviously, but in 1994, when Jeff Horton was the head coach. That's how long, you know, and I know they've been to a couple since then, but only two since 1994. In 2000, they went to the uh, Vegas Bowl again. Jason Thomas uh, beats Arkansas. And then uh, in 2011, 2012, I, again, it just kind of is all a mist in the, in the, the memory now here. But going to the, the heart of, of Dallas, was the heart of Dallas, heart of Texas Bowl, whatever. Heart of Dallas again, that's, that's, that's where I'm saying is you're right. To your point, Willie, that it's a big storyline, especially if you're a fan of UNLV football. If you're locked in with the, the Rebels and, and what they're doing on the football field, then, yeah, that's the biggest that's the biggest storyline for you right now because that's where you are. If your name's Marcus Arroyo, yeah, you're, you're, you're loving life right now. They're, they're eight yards away from beating Cal right. at Cal. First and goal on the eight, I mean, done. They're a flag away, right? Yeah. They should have had four more chances because that was yeah. pass interference. I was standing like... 50 feet away from it. I looked around. I'm like, wait, there's no flag? <laughs> Receiver got tossed to the ground, so they could be 3-0 right now. Our weekly guest from on Thursdays, Brad Powers, was on this morning with the boys. He said bowl game. Yeah. I've made them a Mountain West contender. They could win the title. I'm, I'm going to say let's pump the brakes. There's a big one coming <laughs> up. No, I mean, it's, it's like you got you got to approach, approach this with caution. The uh, Like the demise of the Mountain West, it's not as bad as it's been. I'll say with Utah State. They lost him last year. They couldn't defend a pass against the Aggies. And the Rebels are walking into a freaking buzzsaw because I don't know if you saw it last week. They lose to Weber State. After the game, well, during the game in the fourth quarter, Aggie fans are booing the hell out of the quarterback, Logan Bonner. The coach, Blake Anderson, goes to the media and says, those Then a defensive end comes out after the game and says, you know what? We brought you a championship last year, and you're booing us? You know, we don't need that here. Don't show up. <laughs> so then they've got a, their fan group is the herd. They're yeah. like, okay. So I don't like. I don't know if the stadium's going to be empty. Huh. I don't know. But on the flip side of it, they've got a bye week. You could be walking into a friggin' buzzsaw, a team that's got you know, it's fighting for its life. Yeah, and, and and from the Rebels' perspective, obviously, it shouldn't matter what the other school is doing. It, it's all about what they're doing. And and there's a lot of positive vibes around this program right now. 
Um, I don't know if there's more positive vibes or more uniform combinations for them. Right. But either way, it, it's looking pretty nice. And I'm still trying to figure out. Like, I, I message uh, Mark Wallington all the time, and he tells me I'm old. But I'm like, weren't the school colors scarlet and gray? I mean, where are all these other uniform yeah. combos coming from? But at the end of the day, if they're winning games, yeah. nobody else cares and nothing else matters. Well, that, that's what the kids like. And, yeah. you know, uh, Arroyo coached at Oregon, so we yes. saw the 23 uniform yeah. combinations. Yeah. So, to me, the story of the team is, one, they're a lot more stout and deep on the O-line and D-line. And that, that's one of the first things you got to get straightened out when you're building a program. But the other story, and I did TV because it was on uh, Fox 5.2 and Cox 125. Um, I had a little time to go sports talk guy when I was doing analysis for the game. And I spent like the last five minutes and I was like, you know what, let me tell you something. All the people out there who are anti-transfer portal, yeah, stop. Because there are kids who want opportunities sometimes by dropping down to group of five. There are kids who don't get scholarships coming out. They move up to group move of up. five. And this team has a bunch of This Aiden Robbins kid rushed for 51 yards at Louisville in three years. Yeah. Graduated, comes here, and now all of a sudden with the blocking schemes, his patience, he looks ridiculous. 29 for 227, according to the uh, latest email from our friend Mark Wallington. And, you know, the, is the player of the week, you know. So it's it's one, or at least nominated for it. But it's, it's again, it's a different era. It's a different world. I, I realize Willie and I, we're, we're both of the uh, – get off our lawn old men now you know when it comes to things like this but it is what it is it, it's it's a brave new world with the transfer portal you see it in basketball as well football you got way more players that you can you know deal with on, in situations like that but if you're building a program from the ground up and you've got the nice facilities i mean again i, I know i'm probably going back to being an alum here too much but yeah, they can put together some things here. And, again, tell me to pump the brakes a little bit when no, you no, want no, me to. <laughs> this is, no, no, this is a Pac-12 kind of thing situation that could potentially be in the offing. If they can win they, a conference title and they got the facilities already, you got the media market here, this is where they should be looking while focusing on the present. Well, and we, we heard after week one, well, this is an FCS school. They didn't, you know, bubble. But they beat them the way they were supposed to. Now they beat a program that in reality, when you look at the two conferences that these teams are in, UNLV is aspiring to be like a program like North Texas that's challenging in a group of five uh, conference. They're ranked 30th with the total offense, 479 yards per game. Their team passing efficiency, 26th in the nation. The duo of Brumfield and Robbins... Okay, I was doing the I was doing the while I was sitting in the press room, I'm banging this out. Yeah. I'm feeding it to Adam and Grainy. I'm going, hey, check this out. This is the first combo that's on pace, quarterback and running back, to have more than two thousand yards passing and one thousand yards rushing. Only two combos. Caleb Herring and Tim Cornette back in 2013, they combined twenty seven hundred and eighteen yards, twelve eighty four to four thousand on the dot. And two thousand nineteen, Kenyon Oblad, two thousand eighty one. Um, Charles Williams, twelve fifty-seven. These two are on pace for almost, or for more than four thousand yards. Brumfield's on pace to pass for three thousand ninety-two. Robbins rushed for thirteen ninety-two. And Steve, you talked about doing color commentary. Hey, the rushing defense tied for thirty-eighth in the nation, holding teams to one hundred two point seven yards. Again, don't tell me about the competition because they're now beating teams they were supposed to beat right. the way they're supposed to beat them, and they almost beat Cal. The betting on this game for Utah State coming up, it opened Utah State 1, wow. goes all the way to UNLV 3. Wow. I did, I on, did the r- r- on the road. I wow. did really quick uh, did really quick research on this. I don't think they've been favored in a game before last week because the same thing happened last week. Yeah. They, I think they had been the dog in 32 straight games, wow. which tells you, you know, how tough it was at the end of Sanchez and Arroyo trying to build. 
The other question I got was, when was the last time they were a road favorite? I may have missed one along the way, but I don't think they've been a road favorite since late October of 2016. Wow. Uh, and that was a game at San Jose State, which I think they lost outright. And they lost. <laughs> they, lost they lost outright. But, no, I wanted to ask you as a, as a UNLV yeah. guy, and Paul Gutierrez is here from ESPN.com, um, what did you think of the program, you know, back when you were in school? Were you of the mindset like, hey, they can be a six-win program every year. They can be in that area. Because that's one of the things that's kind of frustrated me over the years. Like, a lot, you know, there's a lot of negativity in the area, and it's like, oh, they'll ne- they're never going to do it. Like, why not? I, that's something I never understood. Now, now you ask me my own personal impression at the time. I mean, I'm, I'm a kid coming from Barstow, you know, two hours that way in the middle of the desert. So Vegas was big time to me. UNLV was big time. And, of course, they had the national championship uh, basketball program. Football, to me, I never understood why they couldn't recruit better. Uh, that's not a slam at the guys that were here because they gave their all. But, but it's Vegas. It's the entertainment capital of the world. And, and they were in the Big West Conference at the time playing against schools that no longer have football teams. So I never understood why they could never take that next step. And my senior year is when uh, they go to the Las Vegas Bowl and, and beat the brakes off of Central Michigan, and Henry Bailey is the MVP. And it's like, okay, well, now they finally got it. Then they move into the weird whack, the 16-school thing, which was just a mess, too many. Then into the Mountain West, and it's like, okay, well, they're not leveling up to the level of competition. They're kind of sinking below it. And it just never made sense to me why football couldn't get it going because of the facilities they've had because of whether it was the stadium whatever it is well all those things are out now with the training facility with with yep. Allegiant stadium they're up there with some power five schools that that uh, in terms of the facilities now it's up to them to just win and take that next step and and see what we've got going from there i'm gonna throw something else out because mike ramala wrote a story i think it was an interesting story las vegas sun a couple weeks ago about unlv's locally to recruit. I think this is always yeah. a really tricky thing. Uh, he used an anonymous poll and comments from coaches around the market, and they said, hey, UNLV's not really trying in the market. They're not talking to us enough. The coaches aren't getting enough love. And I think program building, when you've been a bad program, is yeah. really interesting when it comes to what you do recruiting locally. And I say it because of this. I've seen this with the school I went to, right? So I went to school yeah. in New Jersey, Rutgers. They're starting to get back again. Greg Schiano got it done the first time. When he built the program the first time around, the attitude in New Jersey with the coaches was very negative. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know what? I've got connections in South Florida. Right. They haven't heard all the negativity about the school up here in New Jersey. Let me go down there. And that's how we, he actually built it from you know, using, getting guys from outside the state and then with success yeah. started getting guys in state. So I, I think it's the right plan. But I also understand this is very complicated because yeah. coaches want love. They want love. They want to they be able to tell – uh, or, you know, have a coach you know, like Arroyo take their fifth best player on the team, yeah. oh, eventually I'll get you back. So it's this whole juggling game that Arroyo has to play. Especially when you're talking about Vegas, which really is an island. There's nothing around Vegas itself. It's just Las Vegas is right here surrounded by wilderness. So it, it's, it, it almost seems like it, it, you're hurting yourself to not scratch the back of the local schools. Yeah. Um, now, if you get a, a four-star recruit from out of state versus a three-star or two-star recruit from home, where are you going to go? But you have to – that, to me, is the lifeblood of a program, is the recruiting, especially the locals, because that's where your home base is just that, by definition, your home base. But I'm also going to throw this in, because I also understand if you're a four-star kid. Yeah. Because the, the list of Nevada players, the best players in Nevada this year, in the top ten, you start looking at the list. It's like commit to Oregon, yeah. LSU, Georgia. I mean, I love Las Vegas, and I think the campus is 
It's getting better. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah. it's funny. We, we went up to Cal, right? You make the road trip up to Cal with the broadcast crew. And when we were on the Cal campus, which is not like a football hotbed, but no. it's still a Power 5 school, and you start driving around the school, the campus is steeped in history. There are sororities and fraternities going crazy at 9 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Like, there is a different experience when you go to some schools with the way the campus looks and acts. And if you're a kid that grew up here, how, how many 18-year-old kids want to stay home? They want to go out and, and see what, what else is available and what else is out there. So I'm not hating on any kids that want to leave, but at the same point, it takes a special kind of mindset to say, you know what, I want to stay here and I want to build this thing. That's the point I always make, is that when, you're, when you got a four-star kid coming out of – the Liberties, the Arbor Views, the Gormans, the you know, or wherever it could be any school. I mean, there was a year where Cheyenne had and Chaparral had six guys come back to the Las Vegas Bowl with Oregon State. Point is, you have an opportunity to go elsewhere as it because the bigger schools are going to look at the those smaller. It's yeah. like it's almost like you know recruiting in the smaller. Well, let's grab this one. Let's grab this one. So you have an opportunity. But with what Marcus Arroyo is doing, and with UNLV on the come up, maybe. Now Vegas is attractive with the Raiders, yeah. with the Golden Knights, with the Aces, right? With just Vegas now a pro sports town, now it's even more attractive. You're building the program. Now they can go get the three and four stars say, hey, come to Vegas. Here's what we have. Yeah. Because those kids want to leave their hometowns. Yeah. So Got to win, too, right? That's the bottom <laughs> you know, line. When, when you're recruiting to a program that yeah. is winning you know, two, three, four games, it, it makes it tough. They actually just got to commit. Uh, after the game from a, a kid, uh, Ed Haynes at Liberty, 6'4", 270, three-star offensive lineman. So okay. starting to build. Can he play right build. tackle for the Raiders? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, that's a good jumping off point. Uh, we can talk O-line. You know, the funny thing is I don't, I don't remember a lot of people talking about the O-line after the game last night and, and today. That, was, that one was in the rearview mirror. Why offensively? We've got a minute left here. Why offensively did things bog down? Before we get to Kyler Murray, why did it bog down offensively the Raiders in the second half? Uh, that's the million-dollar question. I, I tried to ask uh, Josh McDaniels today. You know, was it simply a matter of uh, not knowing how to? You know, how how does the play calling affect the actual learning and knowing how to win? And he and he and he answered it. I'm still trying to figure out exactly what the answer was. But probably more clear was I asked Josh Jacobs yesterday after the game. Why did you guys have trouble moving the ball, specifically running it? Was it because something Arizona was doing, or you guys just simply stopped running? He said that's above my head. Which to me means, well, from his perspective in that moment in time, it was about the play calling. Real quick, last time the Rebels were favored, October 6, 2018, minus 8, lost to New Mexico, 50-14. to 14. Last time they Ooh. were favored on the road, October 29, 2016, minus 3. You were right, San Jose, 30-24, to 24, outright winner. Well, let's hope they can be favored in, in more games coming up. You're not suggesting there's a, is there a little dissent in the ranks? With Jacobs, or he's just like, hey, I don't want to answer it? Uh, I think you put it perfectly when you're talking about UNLV football. Winning solves everything. So if they go to Tennessee and win a game, everybody's going to be happy and fine. It's just it's just bizarre. It's just strange the way that thing fell apart. Um, you know, but having covered this Raider team since 2005, I've seen a lot of strange things, but yesterday was an all-timer. Yeah, we'll get to the actual collapse yeah. and how it went in overtime and then down the stretch. Paul Gutierrez is going to stick around with us. We're here at Twin Peaks. Monday Night Football is on the way. you got... The appetizers, select appetizers, 2 4 and $6. The ladies of Twin Peaks. Willie seems to be getting pictures with all of them. A lot of fans here, Willie. A lot of fans, man. Nice job. We'll come back in just a couple minutes. <laughs> it's Twin Peaks on a Monday.